Well, it is a privilege to, uh, to be here and uh, to serve our, our God. It's kind of incredible that we are so privileged to be with the creator of the universe that he has made every effort to reconcile us to himself and then to privilege us to be a part of his kingdom work. And uh, recognizing that we have a lot of representation here from all over the world, I think the things that I'll be sharing are really kind of the vision of the Rocky Mountain Bible Mission, but I think they are the common passion of all of us that are doing mission work, and I know that uh, you as students are here in part because you share that. So uh, I'll probably be more just reminding all of us of, of what we are about as we serve the Lord and as uh, we have a heart uh, not only to walk with him but to, to reach the lost. And, and uh, what, a, what a lost world we look at today, right? You know, just uh, it seems like it gets worse and worse. And Jesus said it will be like in the days of Noah. And... Uh, and that was bad because it was every man for himself, and we're pretty close to that right now uh, with, the, uh, with the self-centered culture that we're in in America and in all of the hostility around the world. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a great place to be ministering with the light because there is a lot of darkness. Um, I know a lot of people have seen the uh, recent movie of Noah's Ark, and a lot of pushback on that because it was not accurate. It was not, you know, a lot of things. But, you know, if you, if you looked at that, and how many have seen that movie? See it? Okay. Uh, there's some things that impressed me from that. And in the opening scenes of that movie, it shows the desolation, right? It was really desolate where they were. And I thought, you know, that's a, that's a picture of the world that we live in. And uh, I know they, there were a lot of inaccuracies and a lot of other things that they took liberties at, but I think there are some pictures in that that were pretty descriptive visually for where we are spiritually. Um, another one was when Noah goes into the city to get his son. We know he didn't do that, but nonetheless, uh, that was a really dark city. It was black, and the way they depicted that, uh, I thought they, they got it, uh, the the evilness of man left to his own uh, really is dark and evil, and they were uh, all abandoned to whatever pleased themselves. And uh, again, like in the days of Noah, when people were that way, and uh, they were literally eating their children. And we know that in the Bible that that had happened uh, before also. So those are kind of shocking things, but we're there today. And I don't know uh, how much... Uh, more uh, God will be patient as, as he was then, but, uh, but we have a great opportunity to, uh, to serve and be that light and be that spokesman for the truth that the world is so thirsty for. And that's uh, part of what we are with the Rocky Mountain Bible Mission. Uh, in my position, uh, I am following some of the greats, like uh, Jim Carlson, who was the executive director before me, and set a lot of the uh, things that I have now have the legacy of, of 50 years of, of great um, uh, resources and tools that we have to serve in the rural ministries, the, the churches and the fellowships that are out there. And uh, I want to talk about 
a little bit is uh, from our uh, <clears throat> from the brochure that we've made up uh, that represents who we are and, and what we do. Dave, you want to hand those out? This is going to be a little bit of what I my outline and something that may remind you of what we talked about today. But as you open this brochure up, it has our mission statement, and I'd like to use that a little bit as my uh, uh, sharing outline for right now as we get into that. Uh, Dave Miller came up with me. He's uh, been a student of our BTC program at, uh, with the Rocky Mountain Bible Mission and is currently just uh, kind of getting some time together. It's been uh, really fun to go to some different meetings uh, together and uh, have him come down here with me today and kind of preach to each other as we're uh, driving around. But uh, anyway, uh, let's just uh, pray and ask the Lord to to uh, use some of these scriptures to uh, encourage us and continue to direct our lives as we would want to just serve in his kingdom work. Father, thank you for this uh, opportunity to be together and and to see many of your laborers in the next generation that are coming up here and being trained and taught, discipled, and inspired by your word and by the instructors and uh, just by the camaraderie of one another for the great task that is out there, uh, both locally and globally, to reach and teach and preach the word and bring the truth, bring the light uh, of your gospel to reconcile uh, men and women and young people to you while there is still time, while it is still called today. Father, we just ask that you would uh, move in our hearts with your spirit to uh, be inspired to do the work that you've called us to do. We thank you, Father, in your precious name. Amen. One of the things that... uh, I think of when I think of uh, the Rocky Mountain Bible Mission is if you were a believer in uh, Israel, let's say, and uh, uh, Acts 1.8 was kind of put on your heart to uh, go to Jerusalem and Judea, that'd be pretty obvious because you're in Jerusalem or in Judea, and then the Samaria, and then what? What was the next place? Montana? <laughs> Very likely, the uttermost part of the earth, you know. And uh, as I understand the literal uh, meaning of that is it'll be kind of the last place that the gospel could be preached will be uh, the uttermost part, and that, and that very well could be our rural Montana. If you were in Jerusalem, you might see it that way. We're in Montana, so we see, you know, maybe uh, other places in the world as the uttermost part. But all that to say is uh, we may be in just the right place at the right time to do exactly what God intended when he gave that uh, to, to believers, to go to the uttermost part of the earth. Uh, and when Rex introduced himself and he says, well, Vaughn is, is next to Great Falls, well, you know you're in a rural community when you have to identify it with a town, the closest town next to it. Uh, and that's, that's pretty typical of of uh, defining ourselves as rural. How many of you know where Burke, Idaho is? Anybody? <laughs> Jim, of course, he knows where every town and probably knows people that lived in Burke. Well, that's where I was born and raised, was in Burke, Idaho. And where is that? Well, it's next to Wallace and Kellogg. 
some people don't know where that is, but that's next to Coeur d'Alene and next to Spokane. And, you know, you kind of work your way back then to uh, where Burke, Idaho was, a little mining community. And I was raised in a little community church, so I was really um, born and raised in the rural setting of, uh, of Idaho. And uh, at the same time that uh, the American Sunday School Union back in the 50s and 60s, which it was called, uh, was planting churches here in Montana with the Rocky Mountain Bible Mission, which it became, uh, we were working on the other side of the mountain with, uh, with, a, with similar things going on. So it's interesting how God brought it all around, and now I'm in the fruit of that ministry uh, here in Montana. So all of that to say that God is at work uh, both globally and very personally and specifically. And I'd like us to look at a, at a passage in Acts 17 that uh, refers to this uh, situation. And uh, if you want to turn to that with me, starting in uh, verse 24 and going through verse 27, um, Paul is uh, addressing the Athenians there and uh, I'm going to just take a couple of phrases out of this uh, to emphasize the thing that, first of all, he starts off by saying, uh, addressing that uh, the God that we're serving is the God who made the world and everything in it. That's in verse 24. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. And so the first thing we define is the fact that that's who we're serving because there are a lot of gods just like there were in Athens and just like there are in the world today. And people are pursuing a lot of other things. We have to define the God that we are serving, and, and that is who we serve, is the God who created the universe, and we believe that he did that, and that uh, he is the Lord of heaven and of earth, and that uh, he himself has uh, given us life and breath and everything else uh, in verse 25. But when you get down to verse 26, he gets a little more personal, and he says... From one man he has made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him, uh, though he is not far from any one of us. And I may be taking a little bit more liberty in that, but in the context of other verses in the scriptures, like uh, Psalms 139 and, and uh, Ephesians uh, 2.10 and so forth, I think God has specifically put us in the right place at the right time in life. I don't, have you ever asked yourself, why am I living today? Why am I here? Why am I from, you know, uh, Avon or Sims, Montana or... or uh, even further remote would be the Yak. <laughs> Any of you from the Yak? <laughs> you know where the Yak is? Well, that's a start, because it's probably one of the most remote uh, places besides uh, the Bob Marshall uh, in Montana is the Yak, and uh, we're working with that. We, uh, many years ago, church, planted a church up in the Yak, and we're still working with the people up there. Very unique, very different than Chalice, Idaho, if you're familiar with Chalice, Idaho. Anybody from Chalice? I think there was a student here at one time from Chalice, Gabe. But anyway, uh, one's a mining town and another is uh, just a very remote location. 
And the Yak isn't actually a town, you know, it's just a convergence of two rivers is, is the way it's, it's uh, described. Anyway, uh, just to say that each one of us, I think, has got our time and our place. And we think of that fairly strategically when we think of ourselves as missionaries or as representatives of God. We think, well, yeah, we went to the right place at the right time, and that's neat. But, you know, when I read this, it says that God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And I'm thinking, you know, the lost are in the right place, too. When you think of a little town of Sims, you, you know, it's just a blip on the screen as you drive by, uh, now entering, now leaving Sims, Montana. But the people that are there that are lost and that are unbelievers are right in the right place for God to speak into their lives for various reasons. And, and I believe that. I believe God has put his spokesmen there, his prophets there, but he's also put the lost in a place where they're most likely to reach out and believe and receive a God. And uh, I think we need to, to know that. And, and as we have that passion to reach the lost, we believe that they're the ones that God has all around us. Uh, just like the opportunity that Jesus had with the woman at the well, there was a reason that woman came out besides the fact that she was a reject from the town, that came out and met Jesus at, at the well. Because through her, how many people did Jesus reach? The whole town of Samaria. <laughs> the, whole, the whole area there. She, she knew everybody, or they all knew her, or whatever. But she went back in, and she was effective as, as a one-woman uh, evangelist, you might say, to bring all of them back out to, to meet Jesus. And... Uh, and we just don't know how much will be, how effective a small community can be. Um, sometimes when you think of a small town, we think, well, you go there and you preach, and, and well, you've got anywhere from 50 to 250, maybe 1,000 people around you. Uh, what good is that going to be? We want to reach millions of people, and we want to you know, have great, uh, great ambitions and, and great vision. But um, then we have to ask ourselves, where was Jesus born? Oh, in a little town of Bethlehem. Just the creator and designer of the universe. Just the savior of the world came from a little town, which we wouldn't even know about if it hadn't been for the place of Jesus' birth, would we? Now it's a, a bigger town today. But um, how about Emmaus? Where is Emmaus today? We know the road to Emmaus. It was such a small town, it didn't even say the town of Emmaus. It said the road to Emmaus. It wasn't even, it wasn't even recognized as a significant town. And where is Emmaus today? doesn't exist. But on the road to Emmaus, great things happened. And I think that sometimes we can uh, minimize <clears throat> small places and small beginnings because we, we don't realize how important they can be when they're in the hands of God. And, uh, and here again, we recognize his sovereign times and place for all people. Not only for us, who sometimes get a little bit self-righteous because we think, well, yeah, I'm God's spokesman, I'm God's prophet, I'm God's minister, I'm God's missionary, and it's important for me to be in the right place, and, and I feel like I'm sent out and I'm called and all of the things that 
we kind of expect as we do go out, and, and it's right, a lot of those things are right, but also the people that we are going to, I believe, are at the right place for them to find God, and if possible, to reach out and, and uh, to uh, call upon his name, and hopefully find him, as he says here, reach out for him and find him. That is God's heart. And I think all of the mission groups that are represented here even uh, this, this week, uh, and each of you as you, you're studying the word and as you're growing in your life, uh, that's your desire. That's not just your mission, that's your passion. And, and that's, that's true with us as a mission family, that our desire, our passion is to reach the lost. Uh, last year, I don't know if you were aware of it or not, but in the Butte community, there were five teen suicides. Five young people who took their lives. Why is that? The, the one girl, that uh, we had a, a celebration of her life in the Heritage Bible Church, one of our Rocky Mountain Bible Mission churches. She was a, a, a good student. She was successful. She was an athlete. All of the things that a, that a, that a student would think of success and, and everything going for her. But what was she missing? Uh, somewhere she was missing the hope that, that we could bring, the light, the truth of life that would have bridged whatever it was she was facing. And uh, sometimes relationships get so uh, important to us when they get broken. And, and oftentimes in these teen suicides, you probably know this, it's right after a, a a boy or a girl lost their girlfriend or their boyfriend. It's so impactful that they've lost that relationship and they don't have any other relationship to go to that's close enough, that's uh, strong enough, that's intimate enough. So they don't know Jesus. They don't know him close. We have a, a great message and a, and a great gospel and a, and a great God that is a redeeming God and a great God that wants to reconcile each and every person to himself. And do you know what they found out that reduces the suicide rate in a community? It's very simple. They have a program now where somebody that's identified with having suicidal tendencies um, through either counseling or otherwise, uh, maybe teachers recognize that this student has said something or written something, Anyway, they can identify sometimes the people that have the tendency toward suicide. Uh, they have assigned them uh, somebody that once a week will make a phone call to them to see how they're doing. Usually it's just a five-minute phone call once a week to check up on them and just say, hey, just wondered how you're doing. Not a believer, just a social worker that makes that phone call. What do you suppose that would look like if we applied the one another's from the scripture to individuals like that and made that same phone call because we loved Jesus and we knew that that, that love of Jesus would give us a, a caring heart for that individual and we would make a phone call, just a five-minute phone call once a week. When God puts somebody on your heart, when God speaks to you and says, brings somebody to mind and they, you think, I should call them, do that. Because that may be a phone call that's really important uh, to them. And they found that uh, one phone call a week 
from somebody that really doesn't care about them but is calling because that's their job, reduced suicide by at least 40%. And, and I think that there is something that Jesus has told us in the New Testament. There's something he mentions 107 times. Now, if Jesus says something twice, is that important? That is really important. If he says something three times, it's probably even more important. But if he says something 107 times, you suppose that's important? What does he say 107 times in the New Testament? Anybody have, a, have an idea? Either himself or through his writers? It's the one another's. To accept one another, to love one another, to forgive one another, to, uh, to listen to one another, to encourage one another. You suppose those are important? If he came back today and he stood here and asked you guys, how are things going? Would he ask you if you've got your 10 points of theological understanding down and you could argue the point to, the, to defend it? Or would he say, how is that loving one another thing going? And what are his disciples going to be made to be known as? What are they going to be known for? I'm not saying that theology is not important at all. But sometimes when it's lived out, that's what pleases Jesus is because he's called us to forgive and to encourage and to accept. One of the one another says is to accept one another and to listen to one another. And there's 107 of them. 24 of them are instructions to love one another. And uh, by all means, the love that we have in our culture today is not the love of the New Testament. Because how would you define the love of the culture today? When somebody says, I love my truck, what does that mean? Or I love going to uh, Montana Club to eat. Or I love that dress. Or I love to go to that store. What are all of those things, what are the similarity between all of those loves? Anybody? What's that? Feelings, okay. And it's all about me, isn't it? It's what my truck does for me. It's what that, you know, eating at this restaurant does for me. It's what that dress does for me or whatever it is. But when we use the word love in our culture today, it has lost any kind of meaning in terms of, of the love that God talks about. In, in Romans 5.8, what does he say? But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ had coffee with us? You know, prayed for us? No, he died for us. That's crucifixion love. And we need to move in people's lives with crucifixion love. We're willing to die to serve them. And uh, his love is characterized by thinking of others as more important than myself. And I, I know I'm preaching to those who are studying that and know that, but just to be reminded, what a message to the world we have and what a great Savior that we have, a redeeming God. Aren't you glad he's a redeeming God? That You don't have to buy yourself into his presence, but he's redeemed us. He's already bought us back. 
and, uh, and we just want to take that message wherever we go, whether it's globally or locally, and that's our passion. We might call it our vision, but really, as a mission family, that's our passion, and that's what we want to do. And I hope we can encourage any one of you. Uh, we have a Shepherds Conference coming up, and I've made a space there for, uh, for you uh, as students if you would like to participate in the, uh, in the Shepherds Conference. I've got a two-hour uh, reserved time for you to speak into our missionaries' lives. If any of you would feel led to do that and be able to bring things that would help us to understand uh, the younger generation, uh, we'd love to have you be a participant in that. If you would uh, like to in any way contribute, we'd like to uh, talk with you some more today or whatever. But uh, all that to say, I, I am very encouraged to see all of you here as, as uh, part of the next generation that's coming up. We're, we're wanting to build the next generation that's going to serve the Lord. The Rocky Mountain Bible Mission has been built over a period of 50 years by people that are dead now. Two of our founders died in the last year. And, uh, and I'm, you know, older too. I'm not going to die this year, but I don't think, I don't know. But anyway, all that to say is uh, uh, a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine that I co-labored with, uh, died Saturday night. He went to bed, didn't get up, here. <laughs> he graduated somewhere during the night. And, uh, you know, that's what we all want, live healthy and die in our sleep. And he did that. But uh, anyway... Uh, all that to say is the next generation has got to take ownership in all of this, and, and you are the next generation. And thank you for your time. I, pr I, I, pr I appreciate it, and uh, thank you for, uh, for having us over. Let me pray. Father, we are privileged to be with you and to be with, uh, with your spirit that works in us to will and to do your good pleasure. We thank you that you have shown us what real love is and the, the real love that we need to take to one another and to, and to the world, a world that is uh, thirsty and dry and uh, where there is no water, Father. We need to bring the living water and, and just encourage us, Father, as we do this. And uh, thank you so much for these young lives that are already dedicating themselves to knowing you, uh, knowing your word, and, and wanting to uh, bring that to, uh, to their world and for the next years to serve you. And we just pray that each one of them uh, will continue to love you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that they will love their neighbor as herself. We uh, thank you for the privilege of uh, being together today. In your precious name, amen.